Welcome back to our series in the book of Jonah. So glad you're here. Can we just give a round of applause to all the people that have been making so many things happen here each week? I want to give a shout out in the sound room to our youngest media man, Griffin. I don't know if you can hear me, Griffin, but appreciate you, buddy, up there. I see you waving. And uh, the kids and Quinn and them, and we're so grateful. We're so grateful there's some new ones that are here from last week, and uh, we hope that we earn the right for you to call this place home. I got a really cute uh, gift. I was uh, doing first service, and I had uh, one of our kids in kid- children's church come up to me, and she gave me this little coloring, and she wrote there, good job today, Pastor Paul. So I'm, I'm crushing it with the kids, I think, you know, but, but uh, that's precious. I'm going to have some words with her about why she's not paying attention to the message and why she's coloring but uh, that's just, encur- it, was encur- it was really cute. It was encouraging. And uh, well, I want you to grab your Bible real quick and turn with me to the book of Jonah chapter 2. Really believe that God's got an encouraging word for us today and uh, is going to help us whether we're in the middle of a difficult situation or uh, if we're not in one, we're usually headed in that direction, aren't we? Life has its challenges, and Jesus didn't promise to take the trouble out of life, but he did promise that we'd overcome. And Jonah is such an incredible story of how God can give us second chances. How many of you have had a second chance handed back to you from Jesus? You were just totally went sideways and just walked away from it, and God just, just when you thought like you just deserved for God not to give you another chance, he just serves it back up and says, you know what, I still love you, I still want to use you, I still uh, I still have a purpose and a plan for you, and, and uh, this, is, this is what the book of Jonah is all about. So let's begin here. I'd just like to start by the reading of this passage, chapter 2. In fact, let's go back one verse, the last verse in chapter 1, and pick up where we left off. It says this, And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. How many of you have ever had God send a situation into your life that just totally swallowed you up? You're like, oh, Jesus, please. The Lord, sent a, the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, how many of you have ever found when situations in life swallow you up, you get really religious? Right? <laughs> All of a sudden, your world implodes, and it's like this renewed power of prayer hits your life like all of a sudden you get message like if you don't come up with the money your house is going to be foreclosed on you're like dear lord i know you can provide (laughs) i'm asking you jesus you know when things are going well i don't understand why i can't seem to muster up that kind of devotion but god knows how to swallow us up in situations that give our heart undivided attention to him and that's exactly what's happening with jonah and this is what he prayed I called out to the Lord, I called out to the Lord out of my distress and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried. Sheol is, is a Hebrew concept in a loose sense for hell, like the darkness, the pit, the lowest place, the furthest separation from God. And you heard my voice, for you cast me in the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me, 
to take my life. The deep surrounded me. The weeds wrapped around my head and the roots of the mountain. I went down to the land of those uh, whose bars close upon me forever. Yet you brought my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forfeit their hope of steadfast love. I love the way the NIV puts it. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. And then Jonah says, but I, with a voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out upon dry land. Look at chapter 3 verse 1. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Arise and go to Nineveh. Pray with me. Father right now in the name of Jesus we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth and we pray that it would speak strength and hope to us this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. I don't know about you, if you've ever been in that place of total, utter desperation. For me, it was when I was 18 years old, and I knew that anything that I had done, I would no longer be treated as a minor. I would be charged as an adult. I had multiple felonies pending. I had an investigation going on in my life. I was an alcoholic. I was a drug addict. I mean, at 18, this was just tragic. And I remember showing up early to work and seeing investigators talking to my place of employment, pulling into different places of people who I knew and, and watching them investigate me. And I'm like, I'm so done. I'm so done. And just like that whale that swallowed up Jonah, prison was swimming to the surface of my life. And it was in that moment that it was going to swallow me completely and whole. And I began to say to myself, God, there's no way I'd ever survive in prison. So I purposed in my mind, I was going to get my father's uh, shotgun and when things got tense, I would grit my teeth and I just kind of stepped down like, that's all I got to do. That's all I got to do. You know, the danger, uh, usually you get people who talk about suicide and it's cries for help. But when you have a plan set out, that's when counselors say this is very serious. And I had my plan set. I knew what I was going to do because I was not going to die a prolonged death in prison. I was not going to do that. And I had so many charges that could have been filed against me that I was not going to see uh, the, the light of day for a long time. And I said, that's it. I can't. And that whale of a situation came and engulfed my life. And I remember my mom asked me, she said, Paul, what do you want for your birthday? And I said, a Bible. And my mom was like, who are you? What, what? And she went and she bought the ultimate study Bible at that time. It was the NIV study Bible. I mean, it had maps and it had charts and it had, and I'll never forget as I was sort of inside the belly of my whale, just waiting to die of decomposition, this slow and torturous death of pending prison. I remember opening up the Bible to the story of Mary and Martha where Jesus shows up and he's He's teaching and Mary's sitting at, their, at his feet and Martha's running around like a mad woman, you know, saying there's so much to clean, there's so many things to fix. And, and, and G Jesus, uh, Martha turns to Jesus and says, hey, talk to my sister. Tell her to get up and start helping me. There's so much to do. And Jesus just looks at her and was like, Martha, you're worried about a lot of different things, but Mary has chosen the better of these and it won't be taken from her. And I remember reading that story and just saying, 
oh God, what does this mean for my life? I remember reading and hearing how years later how people would say that the Holy Spirit helps interpret scripture and I remember reading it and it just being this blank page of nothing and I'm opening this book saying God I need help I need you God I I need you to talk to me and I was flipping open to any section in the Bible and reading this can be dangerous right because you could open up in one moment and say oh God speak to me and then you just pop open and it says and Judas hung himself and then you just close it back up and you're like, no, Lord, I really need you to help me. And then you flip it open and it says, go and do likewise. You know, you got to be careful when you flip open the Bible at a random moment. And this is why it's so important. If you want God to speak to your life, you need to be in the word. Let me say it again. If you want God to speak into your life, you need to be in the word of God. You need to read it. You need to give God an opportunity to speak to you. And our memories fade very fast. And, and this book is living and it's active in God. But I remember at that moment, moment I, I I was as so far from God it was like I was in the bottom of the ocean in the belly of a whale all hope was gone I was swallowed alive I I wasn't going to wait to be in the belly of this thing for three days I was going to blow my head off and just end it all and it was in that moment that God began to speak to me and hope began to rise and I've come to learn something is that God can do more through vomit in my life than I can through spreading a banquet and God proverbially had this whale of a situation puke me out on dry land and I found myself in a pastor's office and he prayed with me and, and, and hope came into my life and, and this is why I'm here today is because somebody in heaven heard my cry of desperation when all hope was completely gone. That's really what the story of Jonah is about is you may be beyond hope but you're not beyond Jesus. This life has enough whale, whale swimming in the ocean of it to swallow you whole. And, you know, it's kind of funny whenever you talk about people who need Jesus. It's like, it's always like people who are on drugs, you know. Ooh. People who are, you know, they're criminals. Ooh. But let me tell you what, bitterness can ruin your life just as effectively as drugs can. Unforgiveness can swallow you whole. Indifference to a relationship with God can totally swallow you alive. And here's the crazy thing, right? Whenever I think about my end of days, like I, how many of you ever just honestly, you're like, I wonder how I'm gonna die. Do you ever you guys think? I've got a top five list of thing, ways I do not wanna go. Number one, I do not wanna go by quicksand. 100% know that. I don't want to sit there knowing I'm going under. It's like the end is near. It's nearer. It's nearer. It's near. Oh my God. And then when you go under, it's not over. You got another like five minutes of suffering. Like I don't want to, to, to I do not want to die in a submarine. This is why I'm not in the Navy. You know, I don't want to drown. I don't want to, you know, um, I do not want to, you know, I don't want to, I just have those, those I don't want to die on top of Mount Everest. That's why I'm not hiking up there. Um, I always have in my mind, like, Lord, make it quick and painless. Take me in my, I want to be like those people who go in their sleep. You know, you're just like, I'm going to go to sleep. And then you wake up and there's angels like, how you doing, bro? Come on in. <laughs> I just, I don't want to go there. Think about Jonah. His purpose for getting thrown in the ocean is, is that he would die instantly. And what does God do? Swallows him in a whale for three days. Three days. Like, imagine, anticipation will kill you. How many of you hate needles, right? And you go to the doctor, and they're just, they're just like, okay, just look away. This is going to pinch a little bit, right? 
this is going to pinch a little bit. So I had a, a nurse one time when I was in Rhode Island. She said, all right, this is going to pinch a little bit. And she put the needle in. It did not pinch a little bit. She missed the vein. But rather than pulling it out and going back in, she pulled back a little bit. And then she went in again and she missed. And then she pulled back in a little bit and she went again and she missed. She kept doing it. It was like she was playing the fiddle inside my arm with a needle. And I'm like, can you? Be? And then her friend goes walking by the front of the door and she's got the needle in my arm. And she's like, hey, Mary Beth, can you? And I'm like, I grab her arm and I'm like my goodness you're making me suffer three days like this was not a quick once and done over you know I mean just like and how many you know I've often thought about this it says that Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the whale when did that prayer begin I've learned a couple of things about myself I'm pretty stubborn when it comes to yielding sometimes I think if I was Jonah, it probably would have been like the 23rd hour of the third day. I don't know if it was instant. I don't know if he prayed the first few minutes and then was in there thinking about it for three days. But all I know is this, is that sometimes in this life, situations swallow you whole and all hope is gone. But you may be beyond hope, but you are never beyond Jesus. There is no situation that he cannot bring back from the depths and restore. And you look at this man's prayer and he says, out of my distress, he answered me. I, I tell you what, it is out of my distress sometimes that, that my greatest prayers are prayed. Don't underestimate the power of, of a difficult moment being leveraged for a, an opportunity to draw closer to God. You know, so many times I think we're very hedonistic in our Christianity and that we think that Christianity is about avoiding pain and embracing pleasure or that Jesus comes into your life and all of the blessings are going to come your way and none of the problems will be there ever for you to face and yet I've come to find that sometimes followers of Christ face some of the most challenging difficult situations and it's out of those situations that that God wants us to sing like we were singing at the beginning saying oh God you are my defender all I did was praise you all I did was worship you all I did was like to trust to really 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 trust in God out of your distress and he says out of the belly of Sheol I cried to you for help it's out of the hellish situations that swallow us whole are the places where some of the most powerful prayers that can transform your life can take place. How many of you know what I'm talking about here this morning? Where it swallows you whole and you're like, God, I don't know how. I don't know. I don't, and, and it goes beyond the why. It's not even the why and it's not even the what. It's, it, it's just, oh God, if you would just give me one more chance, I'll do what you want me to do. I'll be who you want me to be. I... I believe with all of my heart that we serve a supernatural God. I've watched God, not only at this altar, but all over places around the world, supernaturally pull people out of wheelchairs, take people. I remember one individual who was set in a situation like mine, who was supposed to be doing 35 years in prison and had a a quarter of a million dollar fine and like somebody stepped in and paid the fine and the judge said I don't know why I'm doing this but I'm not going to send you to prison I'm going to send you to teen challenge and like miracles come in all kinds of different fashions and forms but it, I, I know in our tradition of Christianity we really believe in the supernatural and the miraculous and the powerful and and God moves like that a lot but sometimes miracles are almost like Jonah like 
It takes God time to get our undivided attention. And then once he has it, it's the beginning not of the solution. It's the beginning of the journey back to a better place in Jesus. Think about it. Jonah gets swallowed by the whale. Let's say he prayed that prayer. He still had two and a half more days just waiting. And then, look at this. I mean, it's like pretty blunt. It says that, that the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out, right? It's just like, bleh. like there's nothing like beautiful about the situation. It just goes, bleh. there it is. How many of you have ever been in that situation where you're like, God, bring deliverance. And then instead of like this, like angels showing up and, and people running in saying, I'm good, that problem's going to go away, whatever. It's just like the beginning of the miracle just feels more like, bleh. you're like, ah. Oh. You're just covered in bile. God, I forgive those people. That's awesome. Ugh. Because I think we don't realize the grossness of the environment that envelops us sometimes and the things that take the life of Christ away from us. And when that moment happened for Jonah, it wasn't the solution. It was actually the beginning of the journey. Now Jonah had to take a bath. Then Jonah, where did, it, where did it vomit him out? Greece? Spain? Like Nineveh, where he was going, was 550 miles inland, right? So it's like, hey, imagine if I came up to you and like, hey, we got a missions trip for you. The church is going to cover all of the expenses, and we want, we want to send you, okay? So, so praise God. God bless you. We put the money in your bank account. Um, we want you to go to the middle of uh, China, but we're going to drop you off in like um, South Africa. You, you, how are you going to get there? Like there's a journey involved in it. What I'm trying to say is this, is that sometimes deliverance is instantaneous, but most of the time it's a pretty messy process. And rather than asking God to just make a clean change in our life, I think sometimes it's more important that, that we ask God to clean our hearts and we say, oh God, I'll work on my hands. I'll, I'll, I'll do what needs to be done. I'll take the journey. I'll walk there. And that's, that was part of the process of Jonah here. He had a journey before him. I want you to look at this video clip real quick of a person's life. Now, I almost hesitate whenever I show stuff about people and their issues related to drugs because it's really easy for you and I to look at somebody else's problem and be like, well, thank God I'm not like that person. I've got it all together. I'm a Christian. I'm a minister. I'm, you know, but let me tell you what, I want you to think about this person's story and I want you to think about what your vice is. We don't have the right to choose those. Maybe it's same-sex attraction. Maybe it's infidelity in your marriage. Maybe it's bitterness and unforgiveness. Maybe it's a superiority complex. I don't, different strokes for different folks, we all have those things. But I want you to think in terms of, of just looking at what does hope really, really look like from a Jonah perspective. It's a journey and it takes time, but it's just one step at a time that brings us closer to restoration. Take a look at this person's story. How long has it been since you've seen your family? Ooh, um, close to 10 years. 10 years? Yeah. What's been the hesitancy? Because I've me messed up so many times before. You know, they've heard me say sorry a thousand times. 
I'm originally from Korea. My family and I moved here when I was six years old. In my culture, the family name means a lot. There's expectations attached to it. I brought a lot of shame to my family because I didn't uphold those expectations. I had a heroin addiction for over 20 years. The consequences are tremendous. I ended up alone on the street and I lost my family. Well now, Father God, thank you for waking us up this morning, cleaning us over in our right minds. Thank you for this food we are about to eat. Bless the hands of Canada, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I live here at the Union Rescue Mission, a place to recover your soul and transform your life. I've been here for the past year and a half. Having to trust in God was really tough. I came to the realization of having to surrender. That's what he intended for me. Because of my pride and wanted to be in control, he had to humble me. You only feel his grace and his love for you when you surrender to him. This mission, this ministry, exists to advance the kingdom of God. We want to follow the master. We want to be a part of the kingdom. Forgiveness is a part of the redemption. Restoration is a part of the process. That's why we're here. Forgiveness is a word to me that was foreign in the sense that I had asked for forgiveness numerous times from my family, but in all reality, I wasn't able to forgive myself for what I've done. Jesus is saying, if you're gonna be in the kingdom, you need to come to terms with the work of forgiveness in your own heart. Don't do any of this alone. Talk to somebody. Talk to somebody. I'm realizing that community is necessary. We have to be in relationships and we have to answer the hard questions. That's how we grow. So your brother sent you a friend request on Facebook. Why has that been sitting in your inbox for a month and you haven't responded? And I put off contact and or trying to reconnect with my family because I was, I always felt like I needed to bring something to the table, you know, but I'm not held by those expectations anymore. Why are you ready now? What's different about today? I feel like, you know, his friend request is telling me they're ready to forgive, or I say they. Um, he symbolizes my family right now. And you're ready. I'm ready to make it happen <laughs> or let it happen. Amen. Amen. This is it.
since you've seen a picture of your dad. Uh, ten years. You don't have a picture of him? You don't keep pictures of your family? No, I've lost everything that, um... Mm. And it was easier to deal with not having any, uh, reminders, you know. I wasted a lot of time. Too long. I would like to make amends with all of them, you know, if possible. But with God, I feel like everything's gonna be okay, no matter what. This whole past year and a half is like a whole new life. God has slowly been restoring me. I relied on heroin to be the answer to everything. Now, I leave it to God. I'm just a lost child that, you know, has come to realize I'm trusting God. That's it. Isn't that beautiful? And yet, it's not solved in a moment, is it? And I tend to find from my Jonah situations that as much as I'd want them to be an instant thing, I've come to find that deliverance and restoration is, is a process. And it's messy. And sometimes it starts with a bleh. And it begins a journey And I know what it's like, like Jonah, and you know what it's like, I'm sure, like Jonah, at different times in your life where you just get swallowed up by a situation and you no longer believe in yourself and you know that nobody else believes in you as well. And you're just alone, swallowed up, just waiting to die this long, slow death of obscurity. And what I've come to find, what sometimes seems like the end is actually the beginning of great things in our life from the hand of heaven. And what sometimes seems to be like God's judgment being sent to swallow you up whole so that everybody now can really forget about you is the moment that God begins to remind you that he's mindful of you and that he's been thinking of you all along. And you look at the prayer that this man prayed he literally prayed from the Psalms. He said, Lord, your waves and your billows crash over me. Do you know that Jonah was quoting the Psalms? I was talking with one of our elders recently and we were talking about how sometimes it's difficult to, to, to figure, how do you pray? How do you talk to God? And he was saying, I just heard the other day that you can pray through the Psalms. In fact, that was a class that was taught at the Bible college where I was prior to coming here. And I thought about Psalm 51. David. And this is the prayer, not of Jonah, but the prayer of David when he was swallowed whole by his sin, when he was swallowed alive by 
committing adultery with Bathsheba, when he was swallowed whole by murdering her husband to hide the fact that she was pregnant with his child, when he just did all of these things and wanted to pretend that everything was okay and nothing happened, and God spoke to the prophet Nathan and exposed him. And after he walked away in that moment of shame, and maybe you know what it's like to have those kind of things at work in your life and to be completely wide open and exposed and say, this is the end, this is the end. I've ruined my marriage, I've ruined my life, I've ruined my future, I've ruined my hope. And David, rather than just ending it there, like Jonah, he picks up a pen and he begins to create one of the most powerful repentant psalms. And he says, God, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly of my iniquity, cleanse me. For my sin. And in verse 10, he prays this. He says, God, create in me a clean heart. Oh God, renew a right spirit within me. How many of you know in seasons in your life, for those of you that are followers of Christ, where, where everything's going right, but everything inside of you, your, your spirit, your heart, your attitude, your perspective of others, and everything is all wrong. And God shows up in his presence, and everything within you is just like, oh, I'm so far from you. To be able to open up the Psalms and say, oh God, create in me a clean heart, renew a right spirit within me. And David prays this, he says, Lord, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. Listen, you want to get close to God? It's not just found in church attendance, although that's the place where it's going to help you to be in the house of God and here. It's not just in giving because that is a part of our worship, but that's not, it's not in doing a whole bunch of service, but it's a beginning in a moment where just like Jonah and just like David, you take your eyes off of everyone else and everything else and you put them on you. And David prays it like this. He says, oh God, against you and you alone have I sinned. And you look at Jonah and his prayer in the belly of the whale. He's crying out to God and he's saying, he's saying, Lord, I am driven away from your sight. And it was God that drove him away. And he says, the water's closed over me. Sometimes before God can come to our rescue, we need to admit the, the, the reality of our circumstances. And he's like, seaweeds wrapped around my head. God, I'm going down to the grave. But look at, look at what he begins to pray. He says, he, he cries out to God and he says, but, but I called out to you in my distress and you heard me. You know what I've come to find is, is that in the dire, desperate hours of our life, it's at that moment that God wants us to understand that no matter how terrible you feel, no matter how bad the situation is, no matter how south and sour everything's God, God is still willing to listen to you. No matter how far you feel from God, no matter how sinful you know you've been, God is still willing to listen to you. God is still willing to help you. God is still willing to save you and to deliver you. And it's out of the hell of our moment that heaven hears us. And Jonah is crying out to God, all hope is gone. He's, he's not just in the belly of a whale, he's in the bottom of the ocean. And this guy is saying, God, if you would just save me, I will make good on my vows. If you'll just bring me out of this situation. Listen, if you have breath in your lungs, I don't care where you're at, I don't care what your situation is. God is a God that can always help you. And it might not be a clean process. It might be a puking onto the ground. It might mean a journey of 550 miles. But we serve a God that can help us in any situation. And you might feel that you're beyond hope, but you might be beyond hope. You are never beyond the help of Jesus. Ever. Ever. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. And I want to close with a couple of brief thoughts here.
and we're going to we're going to respond here in a moment but there's one of the verses here that he prays that is really interesting i love the way that the niv writes it just it, it it's just really worded well but it says those he says this in the original he says this in in the esv it says those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope and of steadfast love i love the way the niv writes it it says those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs now when i talk to you about an idol you, you think about something like this can i just say this is not an idol by the way it's just this is uh, asher banner paul the third uh, assyrian ruler it's it's not like we've said curses over this and i borrowed it from a witch doctor or anything like that it's not an actual idol it's just a mini statue of the ancient near east but when i say idols you know we we think about this and we're like well you know i'm doing pretty good you know uh, I go to church, I love Jesus, you know, I'm trying to get to know God more. And I, don't, I don't bow down to idols, you know, I'm good. But the way that this is written in Hebrew is so profound. See, the word, the words that come from this, really, it's a metaphor for idolatry, but it really says those who fight, guard, and protect worthless, vain, empty ways of life forfeit the grace that could be theirs. And I don't know about you, but there's no happier place for me than in the presence of God. And I understand what David meant when he said, oh God, cast me not away from your presence. Please don't take your spirit from me. There's moments where we sing songs and, and all of a sudden it's like the room gets lighter. It's the presence of a, of a living God, not a hollow. But I just often think in my life, maybe you could, we get swallowed whole by defending worthless, vain things. And I wonder in eternity what it's going to be like where people are going to come before God and say, oh Lord, here are my multiple properties that I paid. Here's my child's education I paid for. Lord, here's my white picket fence. Oh, Lord, here's my education. Sometimes we just make it all about, you see, idolatry is worshiping that which should be used and using that which should be worshiped. There is no greater purpose in your life and there is no greater place for you than to find yourself in the presence of a loving and living God where you're not only aware of his love but that you become a channel of it to people. Where when their world's falling apart and their life has been swallowed whole, like Jonah, you're able to go in and say, it's not over yet. It's not over yet. We serve a God that can bring things back from the dead. And I wonder if today across this room, what are those things that we're defending, that we're guarding over? Are they really the life that God has for you? Now, don't get me wrong. If you're here and you have properties and you have education and all that stuff, that's a part of life. That's good. But that's not life. If you have those things and you don't have a prayer life and you don't have time in the word of God, you're, you're not really living the life that God has for you. If you're running around and you're worried about what you don't have, you know what's funny? That, that drugs can swallow your life up and idolatry can swallow up your life. But you know what can swallow up your life whole too is covetousness where you run around your whole life and you defend and guard the life that you think ought to be yours and you spend your whole life coveting for a life that you never even get to taste. 
instead of learning how to find contentment in the center of the presence of God, the presence of a God who loves you, faults and all, the presence of a God that isn't limited by the bottom of an ocean in the middle of a whale's belly. I don't know where you are as people. I don't know where you're at with your relationship with Christ, but I do know this. You may feel like you're beyond hope, but you are not beyond Jesus. And what I'd like us to do is, is I'd like for us to respond to this message. We have plenty of time. What I want us to do is, is to sing this song, Defender, one more time. I know you heard it being sung. I don't know if you really heard what it was. This is what it, the words, I don't know if you can pull up the words. You've got to see this. I, I'm going to ask for your quick help on this. There's a, a chorus where it said, all I did was worship. See, this, this whole song is about realizing that there are battles that you and I, no matter what we try to do, we can't win. I just can't win. They're too big. They're too difficult. And yet this is, this is how the battles won. All I did was praise. All I did was worship. All I did was bow down. All I did was stay still. You serve a God who says this, stand still and see the salvation of some of you are swallowed whole with depression in this room. God wants to restore joy, not by you trying to think enough happy thoughts and getting busy and doing good deeds and all that. No, you know why? You know how? By you in the middle of the belly of that hell, that whale, you begin to say, oh God, all I can do is praise you. All I can do is worship. All I can do is bow down. All I can do is stay still. This is how, this is how the presence of God works in our life. It's not when we get busy doing our best or we try to clean up our act. It's when we finally surrender and say, God, there is nothing, nothing I can do. But I tell you this, oh God, if you would just show up in the middle of my hell, if you would just save me from this whale of a situation, if you would even just, it doesn't have to be dignified, God, if you just puke me out on dry ground, Lord, if Jonah said, what I have vowed, I will fulfill, God, I promise you, I will be a person of praise again. I will be a person of prayer again. I'll be a person who tells people about your love. I'll stop focusing on what I wish I had and be angry about what people have that I don't have and I'll begin to praise you and thank you for what I've got and I'll begin to thank you for who you are in my life and I'll allow you to be God and I'll allow you to change me and I'll allow you to show me what needs to change within me because God I don't have the ability to bring life to me any more than this thing right here could bring it to you that's what God wants for us as a church he wants us to be worshipers he wants us to be worshipers that we would say, God, I love you. Listen, the battle's not yours. Here's what I'd like to do is just, I'd like for us to sing this song again. And as it's here, if there's a situation that has swallowed your life up, I want you to get out of your seat. At that moment, when God begins to move on you, I want you to get out of your seat. And I want you to come right here to this front. And I don't want you to wait for somebody to lay their hands on you. I want for you to lay your hands up to heaven. So God, from the belly of this whale, from the middle of my depression, from the center of my addiction, from the, from the turbulence of my spiraling marriage, oh God, I don't know how to save me. It's all over, but you're a God who can deliver Jonah from a fish. You can pull this situation out. And I can't do it in and of myself, but all I do is praise you. All I do is worship you. All I do is stand still. God, in the name of Jesus, across this room, make us worshipers again. 
Make us people who trust you. Stop us from trying to bring our own salvation and help us to remember what Jonah said. It, salvation comes from the Lord. Salvation comes from the Lord. Lord, save us today from our challenges. Lord, save us from our enemy for he is too strong for us. In Jesus' name, as we sing this and as we, we worship, put your attention upward in praise to God and let him bring you out of your situation. Amen. We'll come back in a few moments. Let's do it. Let's respond to the Lord.